Pediatric nurse practitioner is an advanced practice registered nurse, and we specialize in the care of newborns, infants, toddlers, preschoolers, school-aged children, adolescents, young adults. And we can diagnose, we treat, we can prescribe, do school physicals, we check on developmental milestones, immunizations, well-child exams, all of that. With a PNP, you can choose to be primary care or you can choose to be acute care. I chose primary care, which would put me more in the outpatient clinics. And if I had chose acute care, that would be more like working in, the, in a hospital setting. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of The Selfie Show, where we are bringing you the weekly dose of sweet and salty. I am Tori, the founder and now co-host of The Selfie Show. I am a nurse, blogger, and podcaster, and sitting across from me is my very sultry co-host. I love the new intro every week. <laughs> I am Sam. I'm a flight nurse, college professor, podcaster, powerlifter, and co-host of The Selfie Show. And as usual, we are talking off the clock today about nurse practitioner life. Yes. Especially new grad. We're bringing our girl Natalie back. Yeah. And she is a pediatric nurse practitioner. Yeah. So you had her on what? And she was back as a yeah, student. She was back as a student. And back the episodes were like, I want to say 15, 16 is when we had her on. She was actually one of our first guests that yeah. we had on the show and uh this is highly requested it's so nice to get the follow-up to continue her journey yeah and now actually just see how life as an np is yeah it's been really so. we're really excited i know a lot of you guys wanted to hear from her so we're gonna get into that today single girl merry girl life tip of the week what do you got okay so this one has come up a lot for me and kind of sam as well um like a big it. thing that i feel like in the married girl world is to not compete with your friends word and what i mean by that is looking around at everyone who's buying a house having kids you know just bought that new car you know whatever it is i'm like i just for me i feel like something that i've really honed in on and tried to get really good at is putting my blinders on and doing what's good for me and jacob what's the like boomer terminology for it keeping up with the joneses <laughs> What's it up now? What should it be now? Keeping up with the... The Karens? (laughs) Or the Katie's. Katie's is the new updated version of the Karens. Um, Yeah, I don't know. I just feel like just really not comparing your, your journey and, you know try don't compete with your friends like I don't think it's it's not um it's not a competition yeah be happy for them and their accomplishments yeah like I just don't feel the pressure right now like you know big thing for me all my friends have kids and I'm like I'm just not ready yet I'm am I like your only friend that doesn't have a kid no we actually have it's funny because I was thinking about this and we actually have a couple groups of friends yeah um and you know my girlfriends from college all have kids but we have a whole other different Jacob's like good friends from the gym. Actually, a lot of them don't have kids. It's it's just a different dynamic, and I love it. It's just kind of nice to have a little bit of a different, you know. It is different. I have like pockets. Like I feel like a lot of our nurse, like yeah, our mutual our nurse friends, friends have do. kids. Yeah, a lot of my well, both of like my best friends from high school have kids. Yeah, and then like my gym friends don't. Yeah, and exactly. Then you and I are just like, yeah. Own maybe it's a gym friend thing. dynamic duo. <laughs> yeah. I feel like that is the same as a single girl life tip is don't compare yourself even to the married people of the world. Like I get asked on the regular, do you want to get married? Do you want to have kids? I'm like, do you want to mind your own fucking business? You want to do that? (laughs) Um, Get out of here. There's no like timeline. So I don't think comparing yourself or even to your other like single friends of like what they have career wise or what they're doing 
so much emphasis gets on if you're where you're supposed to be and that's different for everyone it's super annoying it's really annoying i'm like i'm exactly where i need to be thank you very much and right here on this couch recording the selfie podcast boom boom drop the mic (laughs) all right question of the week so this kind of, I feel like, goes in all aspects of healthcare. Yeah. Not even just nursing. But this question was specifically dealing with snarky nurses who don't like new grads in the ICU. Yeah. It's a really good question. I mean, we've dealt with that with snarky nurses so, taking on new grads in the NICU. I actually think this is, like, very interesting. And we've talked a little bit about this. Healthcare in general is very kind of cutthroat. Mm-hmm. I would say in general, like, nursing – um, in the medical world, RTs, OT, like, I just think that's just part of it. Um, you know, and it's tough because as a new person, I remember what it felt like to have to ask questions of people that you know are just annoyed by the question or, you know, ultimately you feel weird. But at the core of it, it this is really to help patient care. So you shouldn't feel bad about that. It is tough because some people are not always the best personalities. Some people are a little snarky. At the end of the day, I feel like sometimes it comes down to an old school way of thinking of you don't belong there if you don't have experience yet. And I think that's antiquated. And I don't think you need two years of med surge experience before you can specialize. I don't think you necessarily need that. And I think some of the maybe older people that have started like they did it. So they feel like you should get to the same path the way they did. But I don't think that's necessarily true also. You can end up in the same spot and have taken two different routes to get there. I'll also say this. um, As a nurse who, you know, we've been nurses for eight years, there are also some very snarky younger nurses. Oh, this is true. I've been seeing this a lot lately. Yeah, and and it really bothers me. With your little joggers and your ankles out, who the fuck are you? Yeah, and like (laughs) do cop an attitude. And like to me, I don't know, I always have in my head, and you'll know the person I, I always think of Lisa Elliott. She's like my core of like queen. the type of nurse I want to be. Queen. Like she was just an angel of a person who would help you no matter what. She never made you feel stupid. She was always just such a resource. Like I loved her and she would correct you, but in like a way where you're like, oh my gosh, thank you for teaching me that. And then she probably felt bad the whole rest of the night that she even did yeah, that when like totally everyone thinks she's the sweetest. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I get some of these newer nurses who are just cop these attitudes and it drives me freaking nuts. I Don't be it. that person. I see it when I go drop off babies in the NICU now and they don't know that I used to be a NICU nurse or yeah that unit because I left the unit over almost two and a half years ago now Mm -hmm. so they have no idea that I used to run shit there (laughs) so I drop a patient off and they're like well give me attitude and then I'm like oh (laughs) you're like am I gonna have to check come at me bro (laughs) come at me bro so it is funny though but then I just like it's not even worth my time because I'm just like yeah oh you know let them go the long story short is you know you're gonna deal with tough personalities mm-hmm. um just don't become that person like don't and don't take and it personally because... that sounds like a them problem not a you problem yeah they're probably not happy at home they're probably not happy and fulfilled in their career for whatever reason yeah they're not happy and you being there shouldn't affect them yeah in any way shape or form if anything they should want you to succeed like i loved when i joined my transport team because everyone on that team wanted me to last they wanted me to make it they wanted me to succeed like I genuinely felt supported in the way where I was like they want me to become like a good member of this team Mm -hmm. and so if someone doesn't make you feel welcome like they want to see you succeed then 
that's yeah, that's a them problem. problem. And just do yeah, you. I agree. Hate is gonna hate. Yeah. <laughs> Let them. Let them. <laughs> Either way, you got a job. Yeah, there you go. My bills are paid. <laughs> All right, you guys. So this is a very highly requested episode. As we said, today we're bringing on Natalie Adame, pediatric nurse practitioner. So she was, as I said, one of our very first guests back on episode 1617. And today we're getting into all things pediatric nurse practitioner 101. The how, what, when, where, why. This is gonna be a really fun one. We went all over with uh, Natalie. Um, She is now a master's prepared nurse, and she's specializing in pediatric GI and nutrition. And we actually broke this up into two parts. So we're continuing our March Madness bonus Friday episode. So we will drop part two on Friday. Uh, In so many different settings, PICU nursing, critical care float pool on top of grad school. Her energy is amazing. And then everything that she brings to social media in terms of educating up and coming people that want to go into nurse practitioner school, helping them choose specialties. So we get into that. You guys, so without further ado, let's dive into the show. Welcome back, Natalie. Guess who's back? Back, <laughs> back, back again. Back again. Aww, thanks, again. guys. Hi, and yay, this is my first time getting to actually sit down with you behind the mic. Yeah, I know. I love it. This will be your third time. My third time. Your third yes. time. Am I the only person on your podcast I that have had so. I think so. Episodes? Other than Sam. Well, was. I mean, I took over. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're like our reigning you MVP. Are. Oh, great. Well, okay. and it's highly requested because I think there's so many great dynamics to you. So previously on our episodes with you, we talked about PICU nursing. We talked travel nursing. And at the time, you were in nurse practitioner school. Yeah. Yeah, so it's kind of funny. A lot has changed yes. since then. Yeah, this is yeah. a much needed follow up. Yeah, one hundred percent. Now you're in a completely different role and space, and yeah. we want to get into it. This is really exciting. So, okay, so for the audience who doesn't know you, give a little intro about yourself, your background. You know, just the full recap. Sure. So my name is Natalie Dami. I'm a now pediatric nurse practitioner, but I used to be a PICU nurse. I've done some travel nursing. I went to Guam. If you want to listen to that, that's on the previous episodes. Um, I went to I went back to grad school to be a pediatric nurse practitioner in primary care, and now I'm working in pediatric gastroenterology and nutrition as a new grad NP. You can you know follow me on yeah. Instagram and hear all about being a new grad again because that's been a total trip and. Or just keep listening to this episode because I think we're going to get into it today. <laughs> well, plug, plug, plug. What's your Instagram handle for everyone? So my Instagram handle is at Natalie underscore PNP underscore. Um, honestly, I feel like I should change it at some point because it's so like underscore. I don't know. Well, but it's like not as easy to say. Every but... name's already taken on Instagram, right? It's like you can't even find the name. That's why I had to throw two A's on the end of mine. Yeah. I was yeah, like, who is this true. A Samantha? A's. Okay, wait. So did you always know you wanted to become a nurse practitioner? Um, well, that's a good question. I don't know if I always knew I wanted to be a nurse practitioner, but I always knew that I wanted to, like, expand my role as a nurse. So I think 
Um, I had covered some of that being a travel nurse. It was just kind of something new. Once you get into your daily routine as a nurse, and not that you know everything, but you kind of get to this point where you're like, I want a little bit more out of this. Like I've, I wasn't really into the clinical ladder or I realized that I didn't really want to be a charge nurse or, you know, kind of in the administration. So it was just one of those things of, okay, what's next? So I started talking to different advanced practice RNs. One thought that had come to mind years ago was to be a CRNA, and then I realized that's not me, the nurse anesthetist. And I was just talking to some nurse practitioners. I just liked their role. I loved hearing about them diagnosing patients, treating patients, and they just had this different perspective than we did as nurses. Um, and so that's when I decided, okay, after travel nursing, I'm going to go and um, I want to be a PNP, a pediatric nurse practitioner specifically, because I only want to work with kids. Actually, even like going back, what graduating nursing school made you want to go into pediatrics versus the adult world? Mm. Oh my gosh. I think we get that a lot yeah, on here. People like, sure. I think I want to go into peds or why peds. I always like to kind of hear people's mindset of what chose them into that realm. Oh, that that's a really good question too. I think, well, one, I just don't think that I'm like hard enough or like tough enough to be with adults. Oh, like yeah, I got a personality, right? So, yeah, yeah. I, I feel like, like units draw different personalities for sure. Yeah, I mean, one of my first jobs was working at Disneyland, so I think that tells you a lot about me. Like, I'm very- <laughs> you're, you're made for peds. <laughs> like, made for peds. What'd you do at Disneyland? Oh my oh, god, go. I don't even know if I want to go into that. Oh, we okay. Yeah. So yeah, I worked at this. Um, so this is like in high school, probably, because this is one of my first jobs. But I worked in the the park and outside of the park there's one little boutique called bibbidi bobbidi boutique and it was like i don't know if you've ever been to disneyland and seen it in the castle but basically little kids go and you dress them up as the different princesses yeah, or princes cute. and then you see them like walking around the park and then the one that was outside the park was i don't even think it's there anymore but that was when hannah montana was huge mm. and it was like a rock star transformation and so i just did like hair and makeup and love me some uh miley cyrus yeah. oh my god <laughs> yeah, you always use her on your story i know i do I yeah love her. anyway so cool. you know i just i've always kind of just been this like fun bubbly personality and i've I always think... worked with peds before becoming a nurse too like mm-hmm. all my jobs have always been with children yeah. thing about kids like it's not nothing is ever their fault like they don't they innocent. they're innocent, innocent. Yeah. there you go they're innocent yeah. you just want to help them and you know your childhood should be this happy joyful playful time like kids basically should just be playing eating and growing and when they're not doing that like what can we do to help them I guess you know I also think when kids cuss at you it's funny and if adult cusses at me I'm like oh you want to throw hands and that's why I can't work with adults (laughs) yeah so I want to get into um the pediatric nurse practitioner role right and so I'm really curious about the specialty give a little insight into um, what a PNP does and, you know, what, how you got into your realm. Pediatric nurse practitioner is an advanced practice registered nurse. So you can't be an NP without already having your RN license. And we specialize in the care of newborns, infants, toddlers, preschoolers, school-aged children, adolescents, young adults. And basically our scope stops at 21 years of age. So we can't see anyone above that. And um, we can diagnose, we treat, we can prescribe do school physicals, we check on developmental milestones, immunizations, well-child exams, all of that. Um, And with a PNP, you can choose to be primary care or you can choose to be acute care, which I think we had talked about in our last episode, Tori, the NP world of like what you're going to go into and specialize is 
um, categorized by population and not so much disease process, if that makes sense. So um, I chose primary care, which would put me more in the outpatient um, clinics. And if I had chose acute care, that would be more like working in the, in a hospital setting. Yeah, the acute care um, nurse practitioners, I feel like that specialty is is newer. Like it used to be, I think that you would, it was more, okay, you're either pediatric or you're adult. And then the acute care program started popping up as more of a specialty. Right? Yeah, that too. Like I think California, I feel like is kind of late to the party with acute care because other states, I think, don't have the like amount of doctors we have or physicians and so they utilize nps in the hospital setting in a way larger capacity than in california but i mean we definitely we work with them at the bedside yeah for Mm -hmm. sure and i mean it's interesting because the amount of specialties coming out for nurse practitioners there's a lot of specialties coming out Mm -hmm. what made you choose primary over acute what was your i get that question all of the time So my background's pediatric ICU and I did critical care float pool nurse. So you would think like, okay, Natalie just wants to like stay in the hospital. That's her background. That's what she knows. And that's what she's comfortable with. She wants the action. Right. (laughs) But I think I got to a point where I was taking all of these sick care of all these sick kids and I had kids who were dying or in these like awful situations. And I just had this mindset of, okay, how do I prevent these kids from ever ending up in the hospital? What what role can I have where I can give them the education or the anticipatory guidance so that we don't see the drowners in the hospital, that the kids don't end up mm-hmm. um, coming in for, um, you know, difficulty breathing because of RSV? Can can we catch things before they come in? And so right. that was really where my passion came from of um, wanting to be outpatient. And I kind of just got tired of the hospital setting of the 12 hour shift, Real tea, burnout. the weekends yes. and the holidays. And yeah. so all of it, you know, yeah. it, that is, that's where I was at, I think at that point. And, um, how many I'm years have you been a nurse when you hit that point? Um, not not many, which maybe is like a little bit embarrassing. No, this is like real though. Yeah. I feel like so many nurses go through this. Yeah. And they feel bad admitting they feel it. Bad. Like yeah, we get DMs like, all not... the time where they're like, I'm feeling really burnt out. And I we get them from even nursing students who are st- like feeling burnout as a nursing student wondering like, how am I going to mm-hmm. handle being an actual nurse? And we're like, it's okay mm-hmm. to feel that way. Yeah, We all do. We yeah. just feel like we have to suppress it. Or, mm-hmm. yeah, or, you know, and I think what you did was shift, which I think is important to talk about, you know, because we all, as you said, we feel guilty for it, but you shouldn't have to feel that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's hard, too, because we do have a culture in medicine that if you can take care of the sickest kid on the unit or, like, you can take care of the sickest kid, then you're somehow superior to all the people who, like, work on the floor or work outpatient. I don't know if you guys have ever felt that way but I sometimes feel like there's an undercurrent of that in medicine it exists and I think we try to dispel that yeah rumor mm-hmm. or myth all the time yes. yeah because yeah. absolutely and I I see people who even behave that way who honestly they do act like they're superior and I'm like you if I floated to med surge I am drowning mm-hmm. I have yeah, floated 100%. and I my le- meds are all late mm-hmm. I don't out even of know what I'm realm. doing. You don't know where everything is. You don't know how to put things together. I'm like starting an IV on a pediatric patient versus a NICU patient. I don't even know where to start. No, mm-hmm. it's it, and you know from both of you doing float pool, you have to appreciate everyone's mm-hmm. differences. Like my sister's a peds oncology nurse, and I look at her like their order sets, and I'm like, oh my gosh, just giving chemo, yeah, 
the amount that goes into that of the pre-medicating, the monitoring while you're doing it, all the labs that they draw while they're undergoing it, the simultaneous blood transfer, it's like absurd. And I'm like, I couldn't do that, but I can take care of a sick ECMO patient. Right. So mm-hmm. yeah, totally I, different. yeah, I think everybody has their different roles in medicine. And I think sometimes primary care or like outpatient care gets a little bit like shit on in some ways mm-hmm. because we see them in the hospital and it's like, oh, the primary care, you know, they had a headache and the primary care just said whatever. And then now they're here and now they have a brain tumor. So we see that more often. Mm-hmm. So we have this right. like bias in our head that that just happens all the time. But it's so rare that it does happen. And we don't see the thousands of other patients in the hospital that the primary care doctor was yeah. able to manage and the specialty care was able to manage outside of the hospital and keep those out. You Not know? to mention that primary care are seeing so many patients and their amount of time to see their patients mm-hmm. is so limited Mm -hmm. yeah um but so yeah I just I found out that I just loved like the preventative care the education all that over the really sick patients but it but at the same time like I mean I love both the perspective that the pick you gave me is something that I really need and like I value outpatient I'm now able to I walk into a room and identify is this patient super sick do I need to send them to the emergency room or is this patient you know this kid's gonna be okay Um, But yeah, that's where my shift came from was just kind of moving past the hospital setting on all the sick kids wanting to keep them out and then also not having to work holidays and weekends yeah, I will say quality of life <laughs> yeah, yeah you guys I think you get to a point where you need to look at your own personal life and you're yeah. a newlywed yeah. still and yes. kind of decide what's best for my life my family and the future of my personal life we don't like live to work right and as nurses we get stuck in that mindset too where we mm-hmm. just revolve our whole life around work and it should be the opposite way and so I think it's good to take a step back and make Mm -hmm. career-based decisions based on your personal life so yeah yeah you guys should check out our wedding pictures they're gorgeous gorgeous. you didn't elope yes yes yeah we did (laughs) oh my my god God. and it was stunning oh you guys I mean I'm just happy that the pictures turned out great because you know the last time I was here on the selfie show was last June and we were about three weeks away from the day that was supposed to be our wedding which we had to cancel (laughs) because of COVID and um, so yeah so my husband and I my now husband and I were like you know what we're just gonna elope it was at the time in the pandemic where we didn't really know that much like there weren't tons of tests like we weren't sure how sick we were going to get. I was taking care of patients in the hospital. I didn't want to expose anybody. And so we just went by ourselves. We found a um, we found a planner and we decided to go to Tahoe because it was gorgeous there. And we just went and we did it. And I'm obsessed. Oh, it was, it was so fun. Sweet. It's so dreamy. It I'm made me want to elope. Yeah, 100%. I was like, I'm oh, just going to find any so rando pretty. off Hinge and elope just yeah. so I can have that Oh, yeah, for, yeah, there you <laughs> go. Yeah, you should just do it just for the pictures yeah. alone. I yeah. mean, gorgeous. <laughs> We're doing it for the pictures. Oh, oh yeah. Time. No, it was so fun. And I feel like... I think that's so it, special, though, because yeah. it's like your like love story like supersedes this pandemic. You were just like, yeah. you know, we're not going to let a global pandemic stop us. Oh, totally. So it makes it sweet. It was, yeah. And it it gave us so much perspective of it. You know, like my wedding dress, I I don't, I didn't have my wedding dress. It wasn't fitted for me yet. And so I literally just bought a dress up, like a $100 dress off Lulu's Mm. and it turned out gorgeous. Like people thought it was like this super expensive dress. It fit you like a glove. Yeah, it was great. seriously stunning. 
stunning. Oh, thanks. Yeah. And I think honestly, we just had, you know, we just had so much fun after we, um, after we said our vows on this like gorgeous private dock on the lake, we got drunk and (laughs) (laughs) and we went to go watch the sunset and everyone was like, cheering and like people gave us their bottle of champagne that they had bought for their own picnic because we were just like in all of our like bride and groom you know um outfits and and people were just so happy like they needed a win because that was at the point where we we weren't sure what was going to happen in in this pandemic and we had no idea and so ever i think everyone was just so happy for us and stoked and and we needed that too you know now we're not able to have our wedding ceremony yet we might you know we might never be able to have our wedding ceremony um but we had that moment with the two of us so that was super fun yeah (laughs) Yeah. so last time you were here I think you were I don't remember how many sessions you had left in NP but I kind of want to go back to that mindset of nurse practitioner school online versus classroom how you know your transition sort of out of all of this into your NP role like mm-hmm. how was all of that lucky like just right at the end I had basically finished all of my clinical hours before everything shut you know shut down and so I was able to finish my clinical hours but some of my classmates didn't they weren't able to get clinical hours which I've heard that it is a problem right now getting clinical hours for NP school you just can't get the places that you need um, and so people are having to postpone their graduations, but that didn't happen with me. I was, I purposely chose an in-person program. That's just how I learn best. I, I, li- I like the physical aspect of driving to class, sitting down, student mode. Now I can focus. And I knew that about myself. So I went um, in person and the, uh, I mean, the online, God bless all of the people that are doing online now with like clinicals and stuff, because it is rough. It is rough. You know, we we transitioned to that briefly and it was not what I wanted. But, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, I only had to do that for a little bit. So, you know, congrats to all the people that were that are doing it for like the whole year. It's crazy. What was it like balancing um, full time and peace school and work? Um super tiring I was just um, telling you guys an in-person program yeah so I had one day of school that was basically like the whole day I think it started at 1 p.m and the last class got out at nine o'clock so it was just like super long day Um, but it was only one day a week so I carpooled with a friend and then um, you have two to three days of clinic um, and then I would have two days of work so I worked per diem and then I would work pick up for part-time hours but if I had worked full-time I would have had zero days off to like do anything else so it was tiring I mean there's I have pictures of me that I post on my Instagram all the time of me just like falling asleep on the couch like I was just (laughs) you know I was so tired and and thank God for Eric my um, now husband because I needed his support I needed like the help of other people because you're just um you're super tired and I thought I had I thought I was just tired and then turns out I actually had hypothyroid which we were just talking about before but it was just like I don't know how that happened but I was just exhausted um so my life is a lot better now that I'm done with now that I I only have to work it's like amazing I'm like oh my gosh so when I'm done yeah it's like freedom when I'm done with work I have nothing else yeah Yeah. it's like it's just like nursing school you just like sacrifice for a little bit and then you get to reap the rewards and the benefits afterwards but so what were your preceptorships like my in-person program provided me my clinical sites which was amazing I didn't have to stress or worry about that 
Um, in primary care, I did a majority of, I had about 600 hours that I had to do. So a majority of those were in pediatrician's office, seeing sick visits and well child checks, um, which was great. It was an amazing foundation. And I had two um, incredible um, physicians that I worked with, which was interesting. They weren't NPs, but they were used to working with nurse practitioners. Um, and then in my last semester, I did some specialty rotations. And one of my specialty rotations is where I work now because I just loved it so much. Um, one of the nurse practitioners who worked in an outpatient clinic at our hospital that we work at, um, I had known her from PICU and she trained me as a new grad PICU nurse. And when it was time to go to specialty locations. I didn't want to drive all the way to Long Beach to go to a clinical. And so I just, you know, texted her and I said, hey, can I um, get some hours with you? And she let me and um, that was the best decision because I loved it. And then at the end of that, I said, hey, you guys, I, I really like it here. I love gastroenterology and nutrition. And um, she was also in this specialty feeding program that I fell in love with. And I said, if you need a new NP, you know, I graduated May if you're hiring. And they said, oh, yeah, we actually are hiring because one of our nurse practitioners is retiring. And then they just there, there was no job um, posted. They only interviewed me. And then I started working there. And that's where I work now. So See, it's out. about building those connections. Tori mm-hmm. and I preach that yeah, so much. Oh, my god! It's gosh. not what you know. It's who you know. Especially because your pick you connection carried over to your NP school connection, then mm-hmm. carried over to getting NP jobs. So yeah. Yeah. building those relationships matter, guys. 100%. I know. I think I heard you guys talking about networking, and, and I don't think people understand maybe what it is. Like if someone's listening in high school, they don't really know what networking is. Um, but I, when people ask me that, I'm like, okay, so just – one, just talk to the nurses or the preceptors that you have and like get their email and then send them a thank you note or send them a thank you email and keep in touch with them and just be interested in what they're doing. Because people want to talk about themselves and people want to talk about their work, right? Um, And if you're a student who's interested, then your preceptor will open up to you. If you're a student who just sits there and like doesn't want to be involved, then your preceptor will really just not interested you get what you put into it yeah exactly Mm -hmm. so then when you're on a unit that you like ask them the questions that you're dming all of these like instagram influencers (laughs) about right like ask them what does your work-life balance look like like do you like working here do they have a new grad program are you guys hiring when do you hire like how do i find out about that who's your charge nurse hey i like happen to have my resume here can i introduce myself to your manager like the worst That's that they could tip. say is no, because mm-hmm. honestly, one of my coworkers in PICU, she came to visit a patient like years ago before she had her PICU job and she brought her resume. And on the day that she came to visit a patient in the PICU, it was like somebody that she knew. She knew she wanted to work in the PICU and she actually delivered her resume to the ma- the PICU manager mm-hmm. and she was hired as a new grad. She's remember so that. awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, so I think for getting my transport job, it didn't exist. I just yeah. emailed the manager my resume. Worst she could do is say no. Yeah. And she didn't. And here I am. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I have to say, before Tori was tits from Tori, <laughs> she is the network queen, <laughs> though. Yeah. Like you used to interrogate yes everyone you'd come across and be mm-hmm. like hey what's your job what do you do oh you yeah. work at this other hospital what, what do you do there yeah oh well what's it like yeah. um she would just <laughs> like even like well, everyone's brain yeah. yeah and now that you do that for a living and yeah. now you have a podcast yes. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> like, but yeah. I, well this is how when natalie and i met because i met you when i was 
you were working with us in the NICU mm-hmm. and you were on float pole. And I was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, that's so cool. Like, how do you get in that? What do you do? Oh, and you're in PNP school. Maybe I should try that. You know, like that's how that all started. Mm-hmm. Literally, I like learned this from Tori and she would, for people like on the pick team, oh, well, what do you do on the pick team? Do you like pick team? Before I was even on transport, she was talking to people who worked on transport and like considering doing transport before I even did. She is the queen of just going out and talking to like walking up, introducing herself and asking them questions about their job. Yeah. And now I think everyone before, like, and I'm serious about before her tips from Tori days, like everyone still knew who Tori was because. Or even like when they were dropping off uh, patients from other hospitals, I would be asking like the flight nurses there, like, okay, how do you like it? What's your organization like? Like, you know, just, yeah. I mean, I, I do think that's a big piece of it, like networking and finding and getting to know people, going out of your way to get to know people, travelers, nurses, transport, respiratory PAs and PAs it's, it's fun so yeah so speaking of your specialty when you were in nursing school were you considering like subspecialties or what was your thought process when you were in school versus when you actually fell in love with your specialty right so I actually went into my NP program having no idea what I was going to do afterwards which was such a trip because I felt like when I went in when I was in nursing school I was like okay you know, I really like peed. So that's probably where I'm going to end up. I did have like a little time where I thought maybe the NICU. And then, you know, I thought, okay, pick you. This is it. And I knew it. Um, But when I went into NP school, I actually wasn't quite sure whether I wanted to be in primary care, which is very broad, or if there was going to be a specific specialty. Um, So I think I just went in very like, open hearted, honestly, and tried not to like, like say this is the only thing that I want to do and just you know let myself be open to it. I learned that in the PICU I really like the PICU but when I went in the critical care float pool I realized oh wait I do enjoy other things and I can enjoy other things and and um, so it it honestly just like fell into my lap and gastroenterology and nutrition is really interesting because it's very um, based in primary care. So not only when you say GI, people are often like, oh, really, GI? Like, that's what you chose, you know? Um, And it's so relevant to so much of, of kids and them growing up. So like we talk about growth and development and feeding, nutrition, obesity, gut health. We talk about milestones. We talk about failure to thrive, you know, abdominal pain. Like these are just like foundations of primary care. And I just really enjoyed that. They're so... Um, there's so much knowledge and and it's it's not super specific. It lets me kind of like have this bro- more broad range. But at the same time, I don't have to know everything. Like I don't need to identify these like random rashes or like be afraid that like, you know, a kid's going to come to me and say that they have a headache and then end up with a brain tumor. So spe- specializing as, as an NP, especially as a new grad, I think is um, is not as intimidating because there's only so much that you have to know about that field. Mm-hmm. As much as you do preventative care and love that aspect, how many of your former PICU patients, though, do you also see? Or NICU. Or, yeah, mm. NICU. Because I know a lot of them, and even though primary care, you're still following up on kids who were once critically ill and are now seeing specialists mm-hmm. for life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
So I, I don't see as many chronic patients, I think, as the physicians in my practice see. Um, but I do see some um, NICU grad patients, you know, the ones that have gotten the PEG tube and then they're on their way to like a G-tube or something like that. Um, because I'm more new, I don't have the super sick patients that have like 500 things wrong with them and are in TPN. Um, but I do actually see a lot of the NICU grads because of our... Um, in our multi-special, or excuse me, in our um, in our feeding program, because they are the little babies who you guys took care of when they were teeny tiny, twenty-eight weekers. They, you know, spent time with like tubes in their throat for the first, um, you know, months of their life, and then they ended up with the G tube, and then. Now it's like, okay, so then they're discharged and now what? And in our feeding program, we actually um, see them because they want to start feeding their child and their child never learned the skills of feeding because they didn't have it those first three, few months of life. So we see a lot of the NICU grads and we um, get to wean off their G-tube feeds and teach them how to feed by mouth with our um, our feeding therapist. It's a registered dietitian, an MP, which is me. Um, a psychologist and a social worker and we work together they come inpatient for 19 days so that's always fun to see Um, but I don't see too many I don't see too many PICU patients I did when I um, it was funny when I was doing my clinicals the physician office that I was doing my clinicals at was right next door to our hospital and so I would see those patients after they were discharged they had just been in the PICU or like the cardiac ICU or the NICU and I'd taken care of them like as a nurse next door so that was kind of funny (laughs) um but um, I know you yeah but most of my patients are not um chronic patients they're like healthy kids who come in and and they are suffering from like abdominal pain or constipation or failure to thrive um because I'm more new, I see more basic patients at the moment. Yeah. We're going to have to have her back for a fourth time when yeah. she's like oh my this God. experience, when she's <laughs> precepting NP students. We're going to just follow your journey forever. I know. Great. We'll just keep following you. What was your transition like into the NP role? Oh, God. Well, I'm still experiencing it now, you guys. You're um, exiting the new grad uh, stage, though, yeah. I feel like. Well, yes and no. I do. I do feel like... Um, my transition was wonderful. Like I have nothing but great things to say about the department that I work for and the um, physicians and NPs that trained me. And that was one of the reasons that I love that I when I was interviewing or being interviewed, I interviewed them to make sure that I was going to be supported as a new grad NP because I've heard these horror stories of these awful experiences where it's like your first day, they just give you your login and then you just go and like you have to take care of like 25 patients or something crazy like that. So my transition was um, was good. They wanted they basically what the director said was, we know that you don't know a ton about GI. Like I'm working with physicians who did their fellowships and like years of school to to work in this specialty. And you're coming in, you know, as a nurse and then two years um, getting primary care. So we can teach you the GI stuff, but what we can't teach you is like how to be a good worker, how to be motivated, how like um, to be a good coworker and like somebody that has good bedside manner. And that's what they saw in me, basically, that I had this like potential and that I was a good person that they could just teach the um, skills or the information to, you know. My first month was just shadowing. And then after my first month, they slowly introduced, um, they gave me like four new patients. And so 
after I see a patient, um, then I'll, I'll take the full history, do a physical exam, and then I see a physician and I kind of give them a brief little report and tell them what I think um, and what I want the plan to be. So at the beginning, it was a lot of me just like barfing all of this information, you know, collecting data and then just telling them and and they'd be like, okay, so what do you think? And I would be like, okay, so maybe this or maybe it's that. And now I've kind of come into my role a little bit more of like, okay, so this is a four-year-old. He's here for constipation. You know, like this is my plan and and this is these are the tests that we're going to do. And here we go. Like, let's go see them together. Um, so that kind of started happening, you know, a few months into it. Um, but at the beginning, they were all very supportive of like, okay, well, you know, why do you think this or why do you think that? And um, as the time went on, my um, I would start, I would have more patients on my list. So it just kind of slowly built up. And now like I go in for a clinic day and I have about 12 patients, which doesn't seem like a lot, but for new patients in a specialty, you get about an hour for every new patient. And then you get 15 to 30 minutes for like follow-up patients or like um, just follow-up visits. So 12 patients right now is, is my max. So it's gone, the transition has gone well, but it's hard it's a lot and how was the transition lifestyle wise from going 12 hour hospital shifts to clinic life so so schedule wise yeah so great so great (laughs) so great but I will say (laughs) yeah it was it was good I mean you know I haven't worked a weekend shift in six months now so that's been amazing I feel like I see my husband a lot more and my friends a lot more I'm not um absolutely awful after I get off a 12-hour shift anymore (laughs) (laughs) destroyed mentally physically yeah exactly and it doesn't take me you know a full day to recover from my work day after after I get off work you know sometimes like if my if I don't have patience at the end of the day I can make it home I go watch a sunset because we live at the beach now like I go on a little beach run I can meet up for people um, you know, and go on walks or just spend time together, work out, which I didn't have before. Um, and I get to sleep in a little bit, which I love because I'm not a morning person. But um, just to be completely honest, I started out as full time. So five days a week, eight hour days. And my the job offer had been part time for four days. And I said, no, I want to be full time. Like, I just want to like dive into it. Like I want as much training and like exposure as I can. Um, and about, I don't know, let's see, October, November, December, I did that. And then starting in January, I asked if I could go to four days a week because the charting was just killing me. Yeah. Like, that's something we don't talk enough oh, about. The charting. Oh it's crazy. God. Yeah. And I don't know if I'm just slow because I do see other people finish it, but like I talk to my coworkers and some of them take it home and they finish it at night. And there's some days oh, that I, I do do that, home. but like, mm-hmm. um, I try to have a boundary new I do prep my charts so like the day before so today is Sunday and tomorrow I have clinic so tonight I'll look to see what my patients are um, and I'll just prep their charts really quick so some of them they're like kind of standard chief complaints and I have auto text for them of like this is what I'm going to do and this is what I'm going to work out or or, you know do for them Um, and so that makes it a lot quicker Um, but I'm just slow right now like typing up my notes and so it does take me a little bit and 
And because of that, I just had to cut down on a day because it was just becoming too much. It was like constant charts, you know, and I just couldn't catch up. So I'm working four days now and that's the perfect amount. It's great. It's totally doable. Better for your lifestyle. Mm -hmm. You have a day to like decompress, an extra day to decompress. Oh yeah, totally. Yeah, I have to like, I get, I use it to get my life together. It's either Mondays or Thursdays. And I love it when it's on a Thursday because I just leave like all of my chores and everything for that day. And then I just get to like, you know, get stuff done. But yeah. Um, but yeah, so the transition's been good. The the thing that's interesting, and actually as a flight nurse, Sam, you probably could identify with this, but like you're just there with the patient by yourself and you're getting this information and then you have to like synthesize all of that information and not just like take it to somebody else and say, okay, so this is the information that I've gathered. Here's the data. Here's the physical assessment. You know, you put in the orders and tell me what to do. It's like, I'm now gathering all that information. Um, the kids aren't, don't look sick. So it's like, it's this healthy kid and you're having to figure out just through the history, um, of what's going on. So the hit, the, um, the mysteries in the history, as we say, (laughs) as you, we're getting a completely different report than what we show up in the ER to see. So Mm -hmm. I arrive there and I'm like, all right, well, change a plan. And then it's like, yeah, there is no doctor or anyone else there. So it's kind of like, all right, I need to gather my data and reconfigure entirely what I thought was going to happen because mm-hmm. that is not the case anymore. Right, so right. I definitely feel you on that. Yeah. It's a and then you're like, mindset. yeah, it's a totally different mindset. And that was that was the hardest thing for me going from a nurse to a provider is now, okay, now I have all this information. So now what? Like now I need to take from my brain wherever this information was and make sure that there's no red flags. Um, and like, what is my diagnosis? And now what am I going to do? Like now I'm in charge of that. So it it's kind of intimidating. And um, you know, the first time I like ordered famotidine, I like made sure to calculate it like 500 times <laughs> because I didn't want to like overdose something as simple as pepsin. But, Which is funny, you know, for people who don't know, um, administering famotidine is like we don't even think about it. It's like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like just our normal med, you know, oh, yeah, and, for but sure. on the other side of it as the provider. It's nerving because then if you overdose. Well, it's your name on it. Yeah, it's my name name is on it. Yeah, Yeah. like I'm putting the order in. So anyways, that's just funny. I think for the most part, like it's slow. The transition is is going. Like I see myself growing. Um, If you follow me on Instagram, you know that I have good days and bad days. Like some days I feel like awesome. Like Mm -hmm. I got this. Like I'm doing this NP thing. Other days I show up and I feel like I'm just playing dress up in a white coat and like someone's going to find out that like I don't know everything you know and so imposter syndrome totally plays a part with it and and I still feel like that as a flight nurse sometimes right (laughs) like they walk in and they tell them oh this team is coming to get you and they expect that when we get there we're gonna like because we're the children specialists and they see us walk in and they're like they're here and I'm like oh god hopefully no one realizes that I don't know shit sometimes right but it's like you do yeah, I really do. I mean, yeah. I feel you. I mean, just having been a NICU nurse now for eight years, I just last night, literally or yesterday, had I'm now doing the L and D role, and you know, there's what a total of sixty babies on the, all of our units combined, and we had like three or four admissions. We're moving kids around. Da da da. da. We had the craziest day, of course, like an admission from transport at You're like five forty-five, <laughs> and this kid was super sick and so I was giving report off to the next L&D nurses and I swear my brain was off a sprocket like I could not even like spit out what 
diagnosis were going on, what was going on, what beds babies were in, because it was just like so overwhelming. But I'm like, that's just in healthcare. Like, I feel like a lot of us just feel that imposter syndrome. We get kind of overwhelmed. Like, it's not really something we talk about, but that's real life. And even experienced nurses can have that. But it's you second guessing yourself because in the moment, in the role, in that admission, you're killing it. Right. Yeah. And in the moment when you're right. probably there taking care of those primary patients, they probably left feeling like really good right. about the care they got from you. It's us kind of second guessing ourselves because I'll go home after a call and be like, oh, should I have like maybe given another bolus? Should I have done this? Maybe I should have asked for this med. Like you start to second guess everything you did. Mm-hmm. And that's, yeah, imposter syndrome at its finest. Yeah, you know, that it is true. And and one thing, the nice thing about being outpatient at least is like if I forget something, if I like genuinely was like, oh, I totally forgot or like I'm looking through and like some results come through. I just call them up and I just say, hey, I totally forgot to tell you. But, you know, here's the here's this, you know, new piece of information or like here's a different part of the plan. I'll still see you, you know, in three months or whatever it might be. But um, I could just call them and tell them, you know. So how hard (laughs) is it to take off the ICU cap? Sometimes because Uh, looking at things is so different. I, I can say even me going to transport. I, and going into the pediatric world, I had to take my NICU brain off and kind of realize that I need to not be so rigid about certain things. Because coming from an ICU setting, we are so type A, OCD, we're so (laughs) rigid and we get so micro-focused on these tiny little details. And then in other specialties or worlds, it doesn't matter. Like on transport, I'm trying to get you from point A to point B. Safely. Alive with Mm -hmm. like good vital signs. Mm -hmm. And so I had to really remove that micro ICU nurse, like just insane hat that we wear and be like, chill. Like you got to pick your battles. And that's what I always even try to tell my former NICU nurse friends when we drop you off transports. And they're starting to question me about like, was the newborn screen done at this other hospital? I'm like... You're lucky that this patient has a blood pressure right now (laughs) and has a normal temperature. I don't know. I don't care. I don't give a shit. Here's the chart. Look it up. Like, don't care. And I yell at my old former NICU friends and I'm like, you need to chill and not hassle transport about all this shit that doesn't matter because that's, we don't care. We have a completely, we're not taking care of the patient for 12 hours. I'm taking care of the patient for whatever amount of time it takes me to get them back to you. And so my shift in mindset is focused. So I know like you coming from PICU world is intense. PICU patients can be so critical. And so I just know having that ICU mindset sometimes, it's so hard to switch that mode off. Yeah. No, first of all, that's hilarious. I love the <laughs> It's so true. It is so true, though. We're crazy. Um, we are. Yeah, it is. And Both you know ways. what helped me was going to critical care float pool. Humbled. Well, yeah. Humbled yeah. me so much yes. just to see like you just show up. You're a nurse. You think, you know, you think you know everything. And then you go to NICU and you have no idea. Or you go down to the floor oncology. and you've like never had, yeah. you know, never had this kid. So you still it could be the most stable kid on the NICU unit. But you still have a million questions because you've never taken care of this type of kid before. Like, how do I, you know. Like, balancing, like, five or six patients. Teaches you on, how to loosen up. Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, chill, bro. Like, yes, yeah. it totally to does. Totally. Yes, it, it humbles you and it, it just gives you that perspective. And you just remember, like, everybody has their role 
in this care of the patient. And just because, you know, it's not exactly what you wanted to hear, you know, you're not giving the report or something that the NICU nurse wants you to hear or whatever it is. Um, you know, as long as the patient's getting taken care of, we don't need to be mean to each other. And like, you know, I wonder if that's why charting is so time consuming for you, because oh, I can say that when I would float to med surge, I was charting like they were an ICU patient. Yeah. Like when you have a one-to-one on an ICU, you're charting an insane amount. And now I'm going to the floating to the floors. I have four patients and I'm trying to chart on all four patients. Like they're my one-to-one ICU patient. And <laughs> it's like, you don't have the time for that. This no. is a different scope, a different thing. And that was even the hardest thing like to going to transport. It's like such a different charting world than how our brains operate in the ICU. Yeah. So I feel like you're probably a very thorough charter yeah. Yeah. from and your hard, ICU background. No, that's actually a really good point, Sam. I never thought of it that way. And my notes are so different or my charting's different because it's a note. So basically it's at a the narrative, bottom right? is a narrative, right? So it's telling the story and then, and then uh, passing off information in a very specific way to the next person that reads it, right? So um, I make sure to like be very thorough and I talk out like what I'm thinking basically of like, okay, I know I don't think it's um, IBD because of this, but I'm still going to screen for it because, you know, fill in the blank. Like could it could be this. And so I'm just listing all my differentials and my thought process because I might not be the next person that takes care of this patient. This patient might end up in the emergency room. And so, or the this patient is going to go back to their primary care physician. And I want to be able to communicate that effectively. Um, so effective communication is really important in the notes, but um, as you can tell, I'm very talkative and very wordy. So I do need to learn how to be more like succinct because I'll read some of the other providers' notes and stuff and they're like, they're like might be I constipation, know. sent this lab. <laughs> Corey and I have read a lot of nurse notes, oh, or, yes. sorry, MD notes in our day. And I don't know, I've always had an appreciation for NP's notes because I always felt they were more detail oriented yeah. and thorough mm-hmm. than the physician notes yeah and I think totally. that just comes from our background <laughs> yeah so. I'll get I'll get there things are just taking a long time but you know eventually I'll be able to get to the point where I feel comfortable not writing like a whole novel like you know <laughs> but hey it's your name on it at the yeah end of the day. you know what exactly what are some specific roadblocks that you hit and like how did you handle mm-hmm. them when you were starting as a nurse practitioner of the roadblocks that I'm that I'm currently having actually is that when I started everything was telehealth or most everything was telehealth so when I was learning how to be an NP and shadowing half more than half of the patients that I was seeing with the provider we were all on freaking zoom so and I know we're all just like Mm -hmm. over zoom this year and so maybe someone's going to listen to this in like five years from now and this is not even going to be you know an issue for them but I didn't have that moment of going into the room as a new nurse practitioner with um, you know whoever I was uh, shadowing that day and then hearing them say what they need to say coming out of the room and then debriefing that okay why did you order that what were you thinking here like what how do I titrate this or whatever it was just off and then it was on to the next telehealth patient without any of that in between Um, and so I think I missed a lot of the like I got the big concepts but I didn't really get a lot of chance to ask questions and so um, that was really rough for me so then now I'm 
now that I'm like five or six months in, I'm actually doing more shadowing of with physicians that see specific patient populations that I'm not comfortable with that I've learned that I'm not comfortable with. So like, I think knowing what you don't know is very important. And sometimes when you're new, you don't know what you don't know. And you just don't really have you most you ask questions, but you don't really have like, Um, specific questions because you're just like overwhelmed by all of the information so now that I'm like five or six five um, this is my sixth month that I'm what we're going into now I know where my knowledge gaps are and I know where I've been struggling with my patients and like different follow-ups so I'm going to be shadowing those docs and they'll be with coming to see um, patients with me so that I can make sure to like fill in those gaps um so that was really tough I mean nobody wants to have to say like oh you need more training or whatever because that's essentially what's happening even though I'm still seeing my own patients like I'm not being like fired or like pulled from my schedule but it was a conversation that needed to be had because, you know, if I don't ask for that, what am I going to get like two years down the line and then be like, hey, by the way, I, like I'm struggling, you know, it's better to just like up front say, hey, I have this knowledge gap and and I need help with it. And like I said, I love where I work and they're so supportive and they're super helpful. So they were like, you know, totally on board with that. I think that shows how intelligent you are, though, yeah. because identifying those needs are so important and I think that's best advice ever for anyone in healthcare it doesn't have to be just nursing any area of healthcare and if you're a new grad nurse if you're a student if you're a new NP it doesn't matter but to be able to say I don't know what I don't know and to ask so many people are afraid of looking dumb and then what like you said two years later you're going to be like oh well I actually don't know this or feel comfortable with this population when it is okay to speak up. And we've even seen like new grad RNs extend their residency sometimes towards the end and say, mm-hmm. I'd feel more comfortable maybe with a couple more weeks, or I didn't really get to spend much time with this specific population. I'd like to do more shifts taking care of surgical kids or taking care of cardiac kids or whatever. Mm-hmm. And Advocating people are yourself. afraid to advocate for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. huge. So yeah. honestly, I think that's some amazing advice so if you're listening to this like and it's write hard that to down. do it it's is because you have to, to humble yourself yeah mm-hmm. yeah it can be really hard especially in the medical field because you don't want to come off as um you don't know or mm-hmm. you know it just it's it's nerving yeah everyone says like fake it till you make it so you ha- you think that you have to pretend that you know what to do and and in a sense sometimes you know you do have to like kind of show up with some confidence like I don't go into my rooms like oh I'm sorry like I don't know you know I have like I'm very confident when I go in and I and I say you know honestly that's a great question I don't know the answer to that but I'm going to find out for you today you know and and so that was kind of the same thing I think years of travel nursing being new at different hospitals having to ask questions always being the new person um, and then being in critical care flow pool, it just made me more comfortable with being un- uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And I so just good. like got mm-hmm. into those, you know, yeah. I just got into the routine of being like, I'm just going to ask the question. Like, I don't care if I look stupid. Like, I'll be the one that's like asking the question, even if it maybe makes me look not great compared to other people, you know? I think that was my biggest fear going to transport is, oh, I'm this really experienced NICU nurse who takes care of these sick kids and then I'm going to just like look stupid having to be trained in peds and terrified to get outside of my comfort zone because I was not comfortable being uncomfortable. If you asked me to float to peds ICU, I would have a mini meltdown Meltdown. about it. (laughs) She's not lying And I wasn't shy about how much I hated floating. Everyone knew I hated floating. And then people are shocked, like, you're going to transport. And I'm like, at the end of the day, 
you just have to dive in and decide that you're going to be okay being uncomfortable and looking stupid. And what, the moment I like took that cap off and decided I'm okay with it and I'm going to humble myself to basically start over and be a new grad again was the most freeing experience. And I think you went through that going the float mm-hmm. pool and just saying, all right, I'm going to be comfortable not knowing everything because it's so easy to sit in your comfort zone world and be the best at what you do. It's so hard to branch out and do something new because it is very humbling. But Mm -hmm. I love that advice you gave. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, we all know this. You know, when you do ask those questions, people are not always the same. No, not everyone's nice about it. That's hard, you Mm -hmm. know, because there were times I know now like you could probably both of you could probably attest to this, like when you ask questions and there are certain people that are kind of assholes or, you know, they sure. don't really, or they um, don't have the time support of day. You. Mm-hmm. Yes. And they don't support you in the way that you're looking for. But I would say overall, most people are, and it's safe for your patients. It's advocating for yourself. It's mm-hmm. important to do. And sometimes you just got to do the hard things. And at the end of the day, I think you said safe for your patients. So you're doing it with the best of intentions because mm-hmm. you're putting your patients above your own ego. Yeah. That's, a, that's no, very well said. And and the fact that you were saying you went from being an experienced NICU nurse to this basically new grad on transfer. I mean, that's that's what I'm doing. And it sucks to yeah. be new, you guys. <laughs> I, you know what? I get it. Like, it sucks to be new. And you forget quickly how much, how uncomfortable it is and how much it sucks. But like, it doesn't last forever. Because at one point, like, things are going to start to click. And every day and every time you see a patient, like, it's going to start to click. Some days are harder than others. And like, I do have days where I'm just like, oh, why did I do this? Like, (laughs) I could just be back in the PICU or back, you know, just doing what I know how to do. Like, I've said that so many times, you know, like, why am I doing this again? Like, I'm almost thir- I'm turning 30 this month. Like, why why didn't I just stick with you what I was doing before? Christmas this year. Yeah. Or Thanksgiving. Or you're going to be like, yes. Yeah, yeah, seriously. That's what I'm hoping, you know. Mm-hmm. And I know that it'll happen because I've experienced that before, you know, which is nice. I think, you know, coming from being a new grad nurse and then coming into the PICU, you know, eventually I got more experience and I became more confident. Um, and so I think knowing that that's happened before is um, is very valuable to me. And so definitely for all the like nursing students or whoever's listening to this like it does get better you just have to work through that process and then you know just try to enjoy the process as much as you can there's only so many times in your life where you get the excuse of like oh I'm a new grad so I'm gonna like you know ask you this question (laughs) and then you and then you're just known for the person that asks questions and like people want to like teach you and like they want they love that you're curious and interested you know and I've had so many like one of the doctors that I was shadowing with the other day he's like by the way I just want to let you know you have such a great attitude when it comes to learning like it was a pleasure the best compliment ever yeah which is just like I mean and that's how you should go into clinical and that's like my biggest advice that I give to NP students or nursing students like just go in open ready to learn ready for some feedback like be ready to be humbled and that's like the best thing that you can do the information will come you can study as much as you want but if you're not open to being new and just like ready to learn then it's not going to happen for you if you're just like walled up and kind of embarrassed you know know what I used to do after every transport call because we go with just a respiratory therapist I would turn to my partner at the end of the call and be like this is when I was already on my own so Mm -hmm. I was done I didn't have another nurse with me anymore I'd still finish every call and look at my respiratory therapist once we'd get in the elevator after dropping the patient off and I'd be like what could I have done better on that call And I think that made them respect me more as a person because they're not like, oh, well, she's already on her own and she's just, 
she's still asking for feedback about how she can improve even though she's off orientation. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that helped build their trust in me and relationship and especially between the different disciplines because I'm asking their feedback even though we do different roles, but they're still my partner, my team member, and that kind of built that trust. And I think it just showed that I actually like cared about bettering myself and learning. Yeah. I've been doing the same thing with my new role over in L- like doing L&D role. It's going out of your way to ask like how am I doing like where can I do better you know and and being straight with them being like you don't have to hurt my feelings like I really want to know like what what can I do better workflow like communication you know how you know things not understanding how to do things like was I good in that in that delivery like what could I do yeah I think that's a really good piece of advice and being okay with hearing like something that's not always the best but it helps you like it's probably made you better in that role do either of you have those moments where you look back at new grad self and remember the type of patients that used to terrify you to take care of that now you could do it in your sleep and it makes (laughs) you laugh. Like I remember for NICU, I used to be terrified of the micropremies and then I became micropremie queen. And then when I went to transport, I used to be terrified to go on a seizure patient because we don't get NICU seizures Mm. that are normal. Our NICU seizures are they're blinking their eyes or their arms twitching. And we don't do really anything about it. We're not like, oh, Ativan and oh, they're turning blue and all this. So I was always terrified. And now when I get a seizure call, I'm like, yes, an easy call. (laughs) Because that is like the easiest thing. And it makes me laugh that new transport nurse Sam was terrified coming from NICU world to go on seizure calls. And now I get these gnarly pick you calls where it's like, oh, we get there. They blew two pneumos. We have to place two chest tubes at the bedside. And my respiratory therapist is intubating and we're starting drips. And it's like... I don't know. Do you have that like one type of patient that either of you remember being terrified that now is so easy? I know mine. What's Trakes. yours? Trakes. Oh. Trake, baby trakes. Uh, that was always so. Uh, it's just, you know, it's funny. I actually talked about this. So I, for sure, because we worked in the surgical unit mm-hmm. and um, I just remember my first time like trying to suction a trach and just being so nervous. Like I'm going to block their airway. They're going to go down. They're going to Brady, you know, all these what about things. even doing a trach change. With yeah, I was in, and tra- yeah, your first trach change. Um, but the way I got better at it for me was actually working with nurses. Like, let's say if I didn't have the trach baby, I would go help them with the trach change and like watch how they were doing things and slowly get a little more comfortable with it but that was probably my intrigues doesn't like, it make you laugh right? though looking back at yeah. like baby tori being now like I'm i can't like, believe i was afraid of that <laughs> what about you um well back in the picu i think the patients that used to freak me out were the kids on the oscillator mm-hmm. just because it was like there's just so much going on and it's like kind of loud in there and like there's things that you, you're not an allowed to do you can't pick you is so loud yeah, yeah it's different it's so it's loud different. and, and like, people don't know what an oscillator is it's a special type of high frequency ventilator and it looks like it was made in 1982 no it looks like it was made in like 1800 yeah it literally looks like a time machine and and our yeah. NICU babies, it's kind of loud, but the settings aren't as high. So on the PICU kids, the settings are a lot higher. So you walk in the room and it's like, do, 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 do. It's so loud. Wait, can you do that again? Well, I know. It's going to be like, do, 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 do. It's so loud, though. Yeah. Yeah. Those patients used to freak me out. And and similar to you, Tori, well, I guess, and you, Sam, I used to just grill the respiratory therapist about it. Like if there was, a, if I hadn't taken care of one in a little bit or like the off-going nurse, I would just be like, okay. Let's what are my hands? What are my hurts? How do I I'm do like, this? okay, yeah. And, you know, on night shift, they do a, um, they do like a reset of the, um, Oh, the generator, the generator. generator yes. check at three oh. in the morning and it turns your ventilator off oh. and you have to rush. 
It doesn't automatically the only restart. Only the oscillators. Yeah. Because the oscillators are like 900 years old. And you never get a heads up so you have to remember it. No. All of a sudden, the lights flicker for a second. Yeah. And then you hear the vent go quiet. And you oh run God. like your life depends on it. Your butthole <laughs> clenches up. <laughs> and your heart stops. Yeah. Oh or the gosh. worst is when like that happens and you're, the nurse is on break. And then you forget that there's like, you're like, oh, I got to sh- go get that vent. Because that nurse And is you have there. to like mm-hmm. do this hold like pause hold to like restart it. Yeah. <laughs> it's like. <laughs> yeah. It gives me nightmares just thinking about that. That's Anyways, so that funny. was really stressful. But um, I just remember asking my respiratory therapist, you know, so many questions. And same with like. I mean, basically anything in the medical world, like if they, if you have techs that you work with, CNAs, like I have medical assistants that are so helpful to me because I just like don't know where things are or don't know who to ask for help on certain things. And they've worked there for so long and they know so they can help me out. Um, you know, it might not be an appropriate question for like the doc who's super busy, but like the MA who who's able to help me and like I'm nice to them and they help me out. And that's been great, too. So just like using your resources, especially new nurses, like the secretary have usually been there forever and so like they know the unit like the back of their hand like asking anybody and just being humble and remembering that like you know everybody is part of the team and 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 you can learn from every single person there you know Mm, that's great advice too because a lot of people sometimes not a lot of people but there are people that think that if their role is a higher degree that they know more but an ma might even tell you like oh hey you know this doctor actually uses this type of tape for this or sure. something and you yeah. might be like "Ooh, tips I didn't like know that like Love they the have tips. a this fresh set of eyes where they and like you said they know a lot of the little tips and tricks mm-hmm. and you pick up these little tidbits yeah. so that was fun and we're gonna save the rest of this episode for part two on Friday bonus episode there's just too much good stuff oh that we needed to yes. do part two with her so yeah tune in make sure you download Friday subscribe rate and review review you, you guys. know the drill you know we love hearing from you thank you so much for all of you who have reviewed we we literally this is what we live for we live and die for for our reviews we screenshot them to each other and we then do. do like little crying face emojis, emojis at each then, other I know that's not hip gen z but we do crying face emojis not the laughing cry like the like my heart yeah, is so touched cry emoji um we just got we got a couple really sweet dms this week too so we just want to say thank you to you guys um we also want to give a quick shout out make sure you check out the link in our bio you guys we are so excited about our trova trip we want to give a big shout out to that we're hoping to shoot for april of 2022 to have all of you come with us on a trip we want to see you we want to meet you we want to eat and drink with you yes we party it up fun. with you we need a vacation yes like a big love big, a day off love a day off need we a vacation off. we need our vacation so, so yeah. yeah please do the survey um the link is in the show notes as well and your feedback means a lot and it helping us actually plan the trip so we appreciate yeah. that yeah and then where All can right, they find guys. us yeah so head over to our website that's www.selfiepodcast.com you can check out all of our episodes and our merch over there as always you guys make sure you rate and review us leave that insta handle in the review and we'll be sending over a swag bag we're gonna be sending them over at the first of the month so that's coming up soon and where can they follow us miss sam so that is at hey samantha with two a's 
and at Nurse Tori, and we will see you guys on Friday. Woo 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 woo. Okay, bye. bye. <laughs>